Welcome back to Inspiration, your cardiopulmonary anatomy and physiology podcast. This is episode five, where we're going to discuss cardiovascular, renal, and neural anatomy and physiology. This will be a brief discussion as our lectures will be a far more in-depth. So let's jump right in. The heart is located in the mediastinum. The heart has four chambers. There are two atriums, two ventricles, and separating the left side of the heart from the right side of the heart is the septum. The right atrium receives deoxygenated blood from the venous system, whereas the left atrium receives oxygenated or oxygen-rich blood from the pulmonary veins. There are two valves, what we call atrioventricular valves, one on the left side, which is a, uh, we refer to as the bicuspid valve or mitral valve. And then on the right side, we have our tricuspid valve. It's important that we acknowledge and learn the blood flow through the heart. So here we go. So starting with the vena cava, the blood will enter the right atrium. It will flow through the tricuspid valve into our right ventricle. From our right ventricle, the blood will then flow through our pulmonary valve, out through our pulmonary arteries, into our lungs. It will return through our pulmonary veins into our left atrium. They will flow through the bicuspid valve into our left ventricle, then going to our aortic valve, out through our aorta. Next, I want to talk about blood volume and the effect on blood pressure. The blood is uh, ejected from the left ventricle, and during each of these contractions, we refer to it as being stroke volume. Normally, the stroke volume is between 40 and 80 milliliters. The total volume of blood discharged or ejected from the ventricles every minute is what we refer to as cardiac output. Cardiac output can be easily calculated by multiplying the stroke volume by the heart rate. So, as an example, if the stroke volume is 70 milliliters and the heart rate for this patient is 72 beats per minute, the patient's cardiac output would be 5,000 and 40 mLs per minute. Under some normal circumstances, the cardiac output directly influences our blood pressure. So in other words, when either the stroke volume or the heart rate increases, the blood pressure is going to increase as well. So that we know that cardiac output is comprised of the stroke volume times the heart rate, it's important to identify what makes up the stroke volume. Stroke volume is determined by the ventricular preload and the ventricular afterload, as well as the myocardial contractility or the contraction of the heart muscle. Ventricular preload refers to the degree that the myocardial fibers 
is stretched prior to contraction. This is in diastole. Ventricular afterload is the force against which the ventricles must work to pump blood. And it is determined by a couple of factors, the volume and the viscosity of the blood that's being ejected, the peripheral vascular resistance or PVR, and then the total cross-sectional area of the vascular space to which the blood is ejected. The myocardial contractility may be regarded as the force generated by the myocardium when the ventricular muscle fibers are shortened. Generally speaking, when the contractility of the heart increases or decreases, the cardiac output will increase or decrease respectively. There's really not a single measurement that can easily define contractility in the clinical setting. There are changes in contractility, but these can be inferred through our clinical assessment, such as our pulse, the blood pressure, and the skin temperature. Now we're going to shift over to our discussion around the kidneys. So the kidneys are two organs that are shaped essentially like a bean that are located in the posterior wall of our abdominal cavity, one on each side of the vertebral column. The uterus transport urine from the kidneys to the bladder and also exit the kidneys through the hilum. The cortex is the outer one-third of the kidney. The medulla is the middle two-thirds of the kidney. And within the kidney, the uterus expands to form a funnel-shaped structure that we call the renal pelvis. The renal pelvis is divided into two or three major calci which in turn divide into several small tubes called the minor calci. A series of small structures called the renal papillary ducts or um, extend into our cal calci toward the cortex of the kidney to form a triangular structure that we refer to as the renal pyramid. The peripheral portions of the peripheral duct serve as the collecting ducts for the waste products selectively filtered and excreted by the nephrons. The nephrons are essentially the functional units of our kidneys and each nephron has a glomerulus, proximal tubule, a loop of Henle, and a distal tubule. The distal tubules empty into the collecting ducts, and although the collecting ducts are technically not part of the renal pyramid, they are still considered a functional part of the nephron because of their role in urine concentration, ion salvaging, and the acid-base balance. The glomerulus consists of a network of interconnected capillaries that are encased within a thin-walled, sac-like structure that we call the Bowman's capsule. The glomerulus 
and the Bowman's capsule make up what is known as the renal corpuscle. Urine formation begins with the filtration of fluid and low molecular weight particles from the glomerular capillaries into the Bowman's capsule. The substance that is filtered pass into the proximal convoluted tubules which lie within the cortex. The proximal tubule uh, drops into the med, uh, medulla to form the descending limb of the loop of Henle. The tubule then bends into a U-shaped structure to form the loop of Henle. As the tubule stra um, straightens out, it ascends back toward the cortex as the ascending limb of the loop of Henle. The tubule again becomes convoluted as it enters the cortex. This portion of the nephron is referred to as the distal convoluted tubule. These tubules empty into the collecting ducts. The collecting ducts then pass through the renal pyramid to empty into the minor and major calci, which in turn drain into the renal pelvis. The renal pelvis um, has the mixture of the waste products referred to as urine, and it drains into the ureter, where it is carried by peristalsis into the urinary bladder. The urine is stored in the urinary bladder until it is discharged from the body through our urethra. An important hormone to understand and know that is regulated through our hypothalamus and our pituitary gland is the antidiuretic hormone, ADH. The kidneys play a major role in maintaining a normal cellular environment by regulating the concentration of various ions. Some of the important ions that are regulated by the kidneys are sodium, potassium, calcium, magne magnesium, and phosphate. 